Hey, Ron, that, what's going on? That guy on? over there. That guy. There's a guy with me on this show. <laughs> random. Random. <laughs> a random uh, bearded Linux user. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said he was. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 39 of Destination Linux. Today we're going to cover the Ubuntu's, all of the beta releases, a little gaming news, and some more. So stick around. With me is Ryan. Ryan, what's going on? been having a blast you know what i've been playing with something that you've been picking on me about and i'm gonna bring it i'm gonna air it out here in the wait open. wait i picked on you you were picking on me about this now i have been i've converted recently to xfce welcome to 1999 <laughs> i was playing alanis morissette isn't that ironic in the background i installed it and guess what i'm kind of falling in love no, i know not. i'm a kde fan at heart but XFCE is so robust in what you can change with it, what you can modify with it. And in fact, I've liked it so much that both my laptop and my desktop are now XFCE desktop. Really, dude? Yeah. Really? I mean, you've got to add a lot to it. But once you start making those changes, you find that the things you're adding into it work. Like they, 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 because you're adding in the things that you typically like versus just getting them handed to you. And then you find out a month later that this feature is broken or that feature is broken. It just seems like you can, you know, you want to dock, you put in Cairo in there, you want different notification panels, you can change it. You want different colors and theming, Rocco? Am I selling you on this now? <laughs> the theming, you can theme it any way your heart desires. There's only one distribution that does XFCE well, What's and that? that's Manjaro. It's the only one. Really? It's the only See, one. I've been doing uh, Xubuntu, and uh, it's been running pretty well. I've not had any issues with it. It's been very solid. I've been on it for probably two weeks since me and you had our late night Let's switch our desktop. Oh my gosh! Till four in the morning. Session. <laughs> and um, so after you've done that, now you do uh -huh. about about a week or two now. So what did you do with the other day? Because you spent the first five days trying to customize XFCE to get it to actually <laughs> perform like a desktop. Well, I've been I've been customizing it little by little, finding things that I wanted or that were missing that I wanted to add into it. Uh, I switched to Nautilus File Manager, for instance. I believe it came with Thunar as a as its uh, yeah. basic one. But uh, for me, not having ability to have search function built into your file manager right off the bat or having to add an overlay into that, I think they use Catfish. Yep. Uh, I didn't want to play with that. So I ended up you know, changing that out. So I've made a lot of custom tweaks. We'll probably do a video on it at some point of all the tweaks and changes that I've made. But right now, including Conky, I've got Conky going for theming. You, I'm sure you know what Conky I is. I know exactly you? what Conky is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you're not on the Conky team, frankly. Well, to be honest with you, uh, Conky is really good, but mm -hmm. it's more to me for like a second monitor option because 99% of the time I have open windows up. So yeah. you really don't even see what the Conky's displaying. 
except if it's on a on a second screen. So in that's in that scenario, it works really well. Yeah, I didn't add a lot of the conky features because, like you said, some of them are just uh, and you could customize them if you want to get into all the coding and everything. But I didn't want to do that, so I use some simple ones for time and date on the actual desktop wallpaper itself and stuff like that. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed XFCE. A lot of people had told me to check out XFCE, but I've avoided it because typically I'm one of those guys that like what I get out of the box. Like KDE is beautiful out of the box. That's what I've been going for. But for whatever reason, I got into this tweaking mode where I wanted to sit there and play with these and uh, different changes and things. And its flexibility is incredibly impressive. I mean, it's it's flexible, yet it's very hard to break. And that's the difference between it and a lot of these other light packages that I found that you can mess them up really bad and you can't get back to square one. Yep. Whereas XFCE, it you can do all the tweaking, but I haven't been able to break it. And that that says a lot for XFCE <laughs> right there. Because if I can't break it, it's pretty tough and robust. What about you? What have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? Well, you switched to LXQT? No. <laughs> 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 no, doing this show makes it difficult to uh, switch to another uh, desktop environment, especially on the main machine. Definitely. So yep. I, I got to keep everything stable. But uh, I did have to uh, redo some things for the uh, website or will have to redo some things for the website for nice. switching to Manjaro Gnome. So, uh, it's, so I, don't, I haven't been doing any uh, distro hopping or anything like that. Now, I did install what we're going to talk about later, one of the Ubuntu's. But, oh, nice. Um, We'll talk about it. What's the big news of the day? Everything's Ubuntu, but the big news of the day is Ubuntu is dropping 32-bit desktop images. That's the big news of the day. And the the Telegram groups have just lit up. Everybody <laughs> has an opinion on this, man. Everybody. Yeah. And it just seems like you, you could see it was coming. I mean, Arch was the first one to drop it from their images and stuff. But... I mean, obviously you could see it coming, but when it actually happens and, man, when Ubuntu says they're going to drop it, it's the talk of the town. And there's really, really um, hardcore opinions on both sides. You know, Now, Manjaro made this decision recently as well. Yep. Right. When we had them on, they talked about the support for 32-bit ending. So it's interesting. They were kind of a little bit ahead of Canonical in this. And... You know, I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, but I think this is ultimately going to be a good thing for Linux. Um, I've talked about why in the past that, you know, when I first came to Linux, it was all about, oh, look what you can do with old hardware and all these things. And the whole point of a lot of the videos that I've done and do is about, look what you can do with the latest and greatest. That's not to say everybody has to have the latest and greatest, but any computer you buy today, even the crappiest junk that you can get or your phone for instance runs on a 64-bit architecture yep. so continuing to take resources and focus them on 32-bit i understand why they're making this decision because it even says in the article they don't have people to test it there's not enough people to go through and test the changes that they're making to even determine if it's working or not well that's so, that's the thing i mean it's not like uh, ubuntu will no longer work on a 32-bit operating system it's just that there's they're not no longer going to support it and test it and make sure that it works on that so right. you're still going to have other ISOs that will be able to run 32-bit it's just that you're not going to have the main ISO 
be able to be 32-bit, or at least not supported. Right. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for individuals who uh, financially or whatever have to have a 32-bit you know, system that they can use other ISOs out there that will probably be built to continue to support that. But from, you know, a main flagship distributions, it looks like they're all going to be making this decision likely. And it's probably ultimately for the good to well, spend the- their resources where they need to be, which is making sure that it's current and also future proof. Well, the choices are getting cut down. So there are still some uh, distributions out there, and I think Ubuntu Mate is one of them. Um, but there are still ones that support 32-bit. It's just the cho- the available the availability of the choices is going down. But there was a poll last year for OMG Ubuntu that talked to, that asked, you know, what do you run? And the results of that poll were that 92% run 64-bit already. So maybe that's not a uh, a showstopper as far as that's not everybody out there, but it is something to say that a lot of people are already running 64-bit. Yeah. So I, I'm not terribly upset about this, but then again, I'm not a 32-bit user, so it's kind of selfish to say, I guess. But as far as just looking at that Linux totally as a whole, selfish, dude. I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's important. You've got to take a stand. That's totally selfish of you. Speaking of taking a stand... Speaking of taking a stand, what do we got? We have to do something about the email notifications on icons. Have you ever noticed in your Gmail it says 900,956 billion messages? (laughs) Well, Well, if you (laughs) go ahead. Well, look, I have, I'm using GNOME right now, and Dash to Doc does not tell me how many emails I have on Thunderbird. And is it that peaceful? It is peaceful. It's about to go away. What? You're about to lose it. So Ubuntu Doc now supports progress bars and badge counts. Badge counts being those little counters at the edge of an icon that tell you, you know, specific information like how many emails you have unread, which on my phone have become completely worthless because it's just got to the point where you give up at a certain uh, number there. But they're neat to have. And if you have an inbox, you keep cleaner. Um, then it certainly is more advantageous than than me, who's had this uh, same email box for 20-something years. Um, but that not only are they doing that, but they have some overlays that they're having with progress bars as well. And this I actually find really useful. So if you're going to download, say, a new ISO because you're distro hopping, but you're also yep. gaming Rocket League over here on one of your other <laughs> monitors, you'll be able to see the progress up on your dash of how far along that download is, which I think is an awesome feature. It's definitely a nice touch uh, that gives a little uh, polish to everything. I do like the download status. I also like the, uh, you know, I'm all joking aside, I do like the badge numbers to say when yeah. there's an email there. Uh, and going, this actually works well with our next couple topics as far as the uh, trace, trace items going away. But uh, this is something that I don't know if it's going to work exactly with Dash to Dock. I don't know how that, I assumed that Dash to Dock and the Ubuntu Dock were going to kind of go in the same direction, or maybe the Mm -hmm. options were going to be the same. I don't know if this is going to be an option in Dash to Dock or if it's just going to be available in the Ubuntu Dock. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I love 
little touches like that, I think that they're important and it's something a lot of people have gotten used to seeing, especially even on your device. I don't know uh, if you've noticed that when you're downloading things on your device and you close the browser, a lot of times you'll see the little progress bar there or, you know, your email accounts. This is kind of bringing these screens together. You know, you've got, they talk about three screens, your TV, your computer, your phone, and they're kind of, you know, building a lot of the same things you'd expect on your phone, which you spend a lot of time into, into your platform on your desktop. And that's really important when it comes to user experience integration, I think. And I love seeing changes like that. They seem small, but they're really cool. Yep. Well, some of the docs out there have uh, badges already, so it works mm-hmm. out. But yep. speaking of the tray icons, there yeah. is bad news, dude, for users of Top this Icons This is the second Plus. week you've brought bad news to us. I'm sorry, man. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there's a little, uh, and I don't know the inside story of it, but there are uh, developers out there who have a problem with the lead people in GNOME. And one of them is the developer of Top Icons Plus. So this is basically going to be going away. And one of the reasons why it's going away is because they are adding the case status notifier to, by default, to uh, 1710. Right. So it's kind of like it's two of the same things. So, and, and I actually installed case status notifier but it doesn't work with all of the tray icons. So there are tray icons that it will work with, but there are also other ones that won't even show up in case status notifier. So maybe uh, those programs need to be upgraded to work with it. I don't know, but it just seems there's an, uh, like an inner quarrel uh, going on. And it's a shame because we're going to be losing an awesome extension. Well, the developer, his name, and I hope I don't mispronounce it, Foshin, it looks like um, his wording in the article is kind of, you can feel the frustration coming off immediately. You know, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but he talks about the GNOME project not caring about his project, and he's made it very public um, to the point to this extension, but they're going to basically, he's saying they're going to be moving to one that's unmaintained. Uh, and outdated uh, for moving to their own extension. So I guess he's kind of giving a dig at the, what they've selected there, the case status notifier, and basically saying that they're not very easy to work with, which seems like it's a little bit of a theme out there. I don't know how much truth there is into it or not, but um, it's interesting to see, and it's sad. Hopefully he moves on to doing some other projects because clearly he created an extraordinarily popular extension so he's got tons of talent. Uh, you would think different development teams and things would be swarming to try to get him to work on some projects for them. Yes, but he basically created an extension that took the icons from a ridiculous spot down on the bottom left and put them where you would think that they would be, <laughs> where you would expect them to be. It was so simple and yet so awesome. And that's why it's so popular because that's where they should be. And it's just a shame to see the, uh, the quarreling going on because, like I said, we're end up, we'll end up losing that. Now, it may go on. It may be forked. It may be uh, made to work with it. I've seen uh, people in some of the Telegram groups mention the fact that they might uh, just patch it for certain operating systems so that it works with theirs. 
So hmm. we'll see what happens. We'll have to let it play out. But it's a shame if uh, we actually do uh, lose that. Interesting. So the whole world, the whole news uh, segment today is going to have lots of Ubuntu in it. And this segment has lots of information in it here. You just went on and on and on and on, <laughs> didn't you, Rocco? <laughs> well, the release notes for the betas are, some of them are very, very detailed. Some of them are not so detailed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not technical enough to cover everything detail-wise in all of the betas. Otherwise, I would be coding for them. So yeah. we're just going to do some some quick hits on some of the features that we picked out and want to talk about. Well, I use that jokingly, but it it is it's amazing how many new features and enhancements were put in there. And honestly, it's awesome to see this much work going into it. We're talking about Ubuntu Budgie 17.10 beta 2. Their new features and enhancement list is extensive and a lot of them are awesome. And like Rocco said, some of there's so many in here, it would take us an entire new segment just to go through all of them which is impressive by itself, but we've, <laughs> we've grabbed some here that are highlights for us. For instance, like files 3.26 with folder color to change the color and add emblems to folders. Again, some of this stuff you may be rolling your eyes like, oh, why is that important or who cares? Where are the big features? But this stuff matters in the user experience. And there, I see so much attention to detail, which I know you love, Rocco. But the attention that. to detail in these new these features and enhancements is extensive. Uh, GNOME-based apps are now available at the latest upstream version 3.26. Well, that's going they're going to re- they're going to benefit from putting from using 3.26 for all of their apps. So right, yep. Replace GNOME photos with GThumb. So that's a that's an interesting change there. Have you used GThumb? I used to use GThumb. Uh, couple years ago and it was it's actually a pretty competent photo viewer um i don't know if it's better now i haven't used it in a while i don't know if it's better than gnome photos i'm not sure exactly the reason of why they did that but i'm okay with using gthumb it works perfect for me because i'm not looking for like if i want to edit seriously edit photos and stuff like that i'm not going to use gnome photos anyway that's basically just to be a a viewer so gthumb works great absolutely and then you've got the global menu applet can be added to the panel now. Yep. So we talked about global menus last week. It's not something I necessarily go and add into a distribution if I'm missing it, but if it's there, I'll use it. Budgie Desktop 10.4. So that's an uplift from 10.2.9, right? Yeah. So when in 1704, you could add the PPA to get 10.4 Budgie, but uh, 10.4 will be default in... Uh, 1710. So, yep. You also have uh, more support in the Raven panel. So it now supports Spotify, which the more music players you have it, have it support the better because not, you know, I use, I may personally, I use Google music player. Okay. But Mm -hmm. you may use, of course you do. Of Of course I do. Do you know why? Because it's better. Okay. Wow. We're going there, are we? (laughs) But the point being is I may use one player, you may use another. So the more support that it gains, and it's gaining support for Spotify, which is a very popular music player. I'm pretty sure it's one of the most, if not the most popular music player out there. It's not better than Google Music Player, just saying. 
I didn't say better. I said more positive. Oh, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> but the more uh, uh, support it has, the more people are going to use it. Because like I said, I have my favorite music player. You have yours. And we mm-hmm. all want our music player. If you have a feature in the Raven Panel for it to work with where you can skip to the next song, see the album art, that kind of thing, you're going to want, to want it to work with your music player that you like. So. Yeah, this is actually an interesting feature because this is in your, you know, the Raven notification panel portion. And when I was on uh, Ubuntu Budgie and I had those notifications for those things before that, I never thought I needed it or wanted it. But now when I don't have those notifications, when I'm running it, I really miss it. You look for it there. Yeah, it's one of those things you really get addicted to. So I, I love that. Hey, this is one that I like. All popovers are now stylishly animated. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness. It's hey, about it's time. It's the small details that go into making it a great, as you call it, user experience. Yeah. If you look at the notes here, we're, we're literally touching a third of the updates here. It's insane the amount of work that they've put into this. All right. So along with all of the uh, features and enhancements that they have done, they've also resolved some issues. Yeah, some of those issues are really important ones like reduced memory auto usage by dropping tracker related applications. So this is very important. Are they tracking us, dude? They're tracking us. That's (laughs) we've uncovered a conspiracy. (laughs) I think we have. You heard it here first on Destination Linux. (laughs) This is really important, especially when you're running on lower end machines that don't have the memory. I'm seeing a lot of machines enter the market. the trend's kind of reversing where now memory is getting very expensive and they're sending these machines out with very low memory, mm-hmm. um, like four gigabytes on a brand new machine. And so, you know, the experience here is very important when you're basically getting rid of any of that memory waste that's happening. Cause that's going to obviously have an impact on your experience with the operating system overall. So then you've got display video thumbnails and files. How important is this? Look, man, displaying the video thumbnails is not something that you think about on a daily basis. But when you're looking for one of your videos, how annoying is it to go into a folder of 30, 40 videos in a folder and all you see is a a video icon without it? You need it. As a, as a content creator for YouTube, this is one of the key features that I cannot stand if I don't see as, you know, a lot of times you can go in and you have to actually set in the settings of the file manager to view thumbnails, not just locally, but everywhere, because I have a lot of stuff because of how big these files get that are on networks and everywhere else, but not being able to see that thumbnail. I mean, how many times do, for me personally, I have to cut a video or record and stop, and I have to look and see it based on the thumbnail, which is the one I'm actually yep. going to work on and edit. Now, some would say you could come up with a better filing system and naming convention, but hey, don't judge me. Don't judge. It's the little <laughs> I things, I just want dude. display video thumbnail and files. It's the little so things. That's a big one for content creators. All right, so this is one that you pointed out. Plymouth now correctly shows the crypt password entry field for when drives are encrypted. So what's the deal with that? Well, I don't know about Plymouth specifically, but I will tell you in in using Ubuntu and utilizing the an X Ubuntu and utilizing the encryption uh, at boot and the encryption home folder. I have run the home folder is not the issue; it's the encryption at boot when you choose that encrypt your hard drive option. Where it's this major pain 
where you cannot get back into your system, boot back in your system because the splash screen does not actually display an entry field for you to put your password in there. It may flash the splash screen up, but there's nowhere to put your password. So it sounds very similar to what I've been running into. Plymouth now correctly shows the crypt password entry field for when drives are encrypted, which it's it's a major pain. There are ways to get around it. For instance, you can boot into uh, basically the protected mode within Grub, and then from there you can start your system and it will show you the splash screen, or you can edit your Grub settings to actually put no splash there so the splash screen doesn't come up and you just get the text box to enter in your encryption. But this is a major failure that I ran into not only on my desktop, but also on my laptop, major pain in the butt to figure out a workaround for, I'm hoping this is a fix for that because it's such a pain. Well, they also have fixed some of the app indicators. So you have Steam and a couple other ones that don't show properly. So they'll show like really huge icons. And this I noticed in not just Budgie, but a few uh, different uh, desktop environments. And mm -hmm. they have fixed the app indicator applet to not display them so big and kind of like go in line with everything else, which is... Doesn't happen in XFCE. Hmm, imagine that. <laughs> That's because they haven't no updated. They haven't updated XFCE <laughs> since 1999. That's why. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I can't say that. They're coming out. They're coming out with an update they're, soon. They're like, doing awesome uh, stuff. It's, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't mistake our picking on each other for actually not liking this stuff. Um, they slimmed down the ISO size. So they shrink the ISO from approximately 1.7 gigabytes, 1704 to 1.3. That's magic, dude. They've added hey. all of this stuff and they've slimmed it down. How does that happen? Spyware. <laughs> <laughs> well, another one, another Ubuntu has come out with a beta, which is Ubuntu Mate. And they have done a ton of work in this beta, even from... Even from the first alpha, they've done a ton of work. So we're not going to cover everything. We're just going to do some quick hits on it. Um, Mutiny panel layout has everything working properly in it. And we'll cover some of the things that it actually uh, that they have actually fixed to make it work. But that is something that's been updated. Uh, the global menu support. Now, you said you weren't a user of this, but you do enjoy using global menus? When they're there. I love them. Yeah. Okay, so the global menu support is now improved, and it it actually works with only certain layouts in Ubuntu Mate. So with the contemporary uh, Cupertino and Mutiny layouts, that it will work with those layouts, but with the other ones, it's not uh, enabled. All right. I love this comment, though, that they made under that about the global menu. They said, thanks to the excellent testing and feedback they've had for 17.10 Alpha 2, and the reason why I want to highlight that is you may not be a coder and we've talked about this before, but going in and just testing these betas and giving them feedback on things that you see, like in Rocco's case, four pixels missing to the left of a I won't screen. bring up the the one pixel line that I seen in Ubuntu Mate. I will leave that out. I will You're gonna leave it or you're not gonna touch it. And I'm not you're not gonna air that publicly. I'm not gonna air that publicly and say that there's a one pixel discrepancy in the welcome screen. That's white bordered. So it doesn't match. That doesn't match. But they're doing excellent but work. That's I just, where you can do some feedback. See, uh, you I can should. go in I there. Sh I should and be do doing some feedback, feedback to them. them. 
And that's a great way to contribute. And I love that they thanked everyone for doing that. So even if you're not a coder and, and can't break into the code, you still can provide excellent help that they appreciate very much to get all of these changes in. You know what they don't appreciate? What's that? People making videos and people doing podcasts that just complain about one pixel line one and, pixel and, and then don't do anything about it and don't tell them and as we go through a list of thousands of awesome changes yeah all right wow. so they have improved the hud and mm -hmm. one of the things they've improved is the action of it so when by default it's supposed to if you hit alt it's supposed to bring up the hud when you're in an application mm -hmm. in the alpha 2 it did not operate all the time it did not function all the time properly so they have actually uh, done some things with the way the keys get captured. And now I actually installed it before this podcast. And I can happily report that the HUD comes up 100% of the time when I hit awesome. Off. That's awesome. Yep. That's a great change. So they've also made some changes here with the slick reader. They switched to slick reader, which will use light DM under the hood but also has a much nicer look and feel. All of this about feels and themes and, look, and looks. Um, I think, does XFCE use LightDM? Hmm. <clears throat> maybe, they should, maybe they should update to the <laughs> Slick Greeter. <laughs> wait till we have the XFCE development team uh, on. You someday we're going to have them on, and, we're, and then I'll have to just like say, I'm so sorry for picking I'm on gonna you all this time. I'm going to excuse myself. <laughs> All right, so File Manager received some updates, and one thing I was curious about, they replaced Kaja GKSU with Kaja Admin. I don't know if that works differently now. Um, I hmm. guess that's the way you would get into opening it as root. Uh, yeah. So I'm not exactly sure what that means for it, but uh, I thought that was pretty well, interesting. There are certain distributions or, or you know setups, file managers, where you can right-click and get right into root, which I've loved. I can't think of the exact distribution I was playing with that had that or the file manager that had that, but I definitely was searching for it. I ended up Nautilus doesn't have that feature out of the box, but I love that. So maybe this is something I could go look at. I'm pretty sure Ubuntu Monte has that out of the box. That's real. That may have been where I saw it. Then. I'm pretty sure. They I, do. I really loved that feature. It was very useful. Now, some will say that can be really dangerous, but well, if you have the root password, you have the root password. It's just saving you some steps. The good folks over at KDE think that we shouldn't have the ability to use that anymore, so we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is one thing that I thought was awesome. And, you know, we talked about uh, we talked about Ubuntu Budgie and mm -hmm. all of the list of features and, and things that they have added that we weren't going to talk about. But on the blog post with Ubuntu Mate, it has a statement that says, under all of the features and all of the things that you have listed, it says the bit no one reads but probably should. <laughs> and I think that is absolutely awesome because it is. It is so true that it is yep. the the items that are listed are going to be, some of them are going to be technical. Some of them are going to be, oh, you know, ho-hum. But this is the stuff that goes into all of their hard work. This is where it goes into. These guys are doing this for free. You know, not for free. I won't, I shouldn't say it like that. These guys are putting their own free time into making this a mm -hmm. better desktop environment, a better operating system, whatever you want to call it. And it's all these little changes. Those little changes need to be highlighted, man. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of those awesome changes that they have? Well, they've got 
add bold style classes for global menu, improve menu items by adding slightly more padding. I know you love that, right? Dude, the padding, there's even, I'll tell you how important it is. There's an extension in GNOME to reduce the padding on the system tray. (laughs) And you have it. And I have it installed because it does and it works perfectly. (laughs) This is stuff that matters, dude. Now, the one that I'm I'm uncertain of, I wanted to get your opinion on this, and I know you have some you wanted to highlight too, is the added defaults for Chromium, which will show the Ubuntu Mate start page should you install it. Now, the Manjaro team does this as well. When you open your browser for the first time, it takes you to the Manjaro pages. And because I have it set up in Chromium to save my settings globally, when I've gone into other distributions and been playing with them, it will open those Manjaro tabs there. So they were saved at some point as part of the tabs. Do you do you like that kind of start page from them? Is it something you've ever used where you're like, oh, good, let me go click and read through it? Um, no, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but you could see the point. I, to it, I, I see the point. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. And for newer users, that's great that it has that start page there. But for me personally, I like for Firefox, you know, even though I don't use Firefox as my daily driver web browser, I do have my profile that I save and keep throughout every distro that I hop to. So I Mm -hmm. end up taking the uh, .mozilla folder and bringing it over every time I hop to another distro, which removes anything that they have put in anyway. So they have customized it in the .mozilla folder in your home folder, and that gets removed. So I don't really use it, but it's nice that it's there. Yeah. Um, You have improve clock applet button. So it's consistent, Ryan, with other (laughs) buttons. This is important stuff. Oh my and gosh, let's move on. How many wait, how many <laughs> seriously though? How many times do we talk about say Solus where uh-huh. we say that it's consistent across the board? Very where true. it's cohesive across the board. This is all the little things that go into making it consistent across the board. I'm glad yeah. other people appreciate it to work on it. <laughs> You appreciate all of their work. Well, I love the way they worded this last one we'll cover, which is experimental high DPI support is a little less experimental. That's their update (laughs) there, which I love. So they're definitely, that's kind of the theme from last week we were talking about is that high DPI stuff. Well, not to be outdone, um, all of the betas are out, okay, for all of the Buntus. So you have Ubuntu, mm-hmm. Xubuntu, or actually it's supposed to be called Zubuntu, I guess. And then you have Chillin, which is spelled Kylin. So there you have that. Really? Um, that's supposed to be Chillin? Yeah, that's what that's that's how You're you say kidding it. No, me. it's uh, that's how you say it, Chillin. No, it's no. It's no, spelled it's... Kylin, but it's supposed to be pronounced Chillin. Chillin would be C H I L L I N, and you'd have a little apostrophe up there. Like, what? Yeah. So, look, we're not going to, we don't have time to cover all no, of No, we them. need to keep talking about Chillin here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what is going on in the Linux community with taking a regularly spelled word and then just changing it? Where is hooked on phonics for people? It's wrong. Look, man. They're going to pronounce it the way they want to pronounce it, and you can't. Don't judge them. I can't say I'm I'm releasing a a Linux distribution. It's S H O L, 
S H O E, which most people would say shoe, but I'd be like, no, it's pronounced Zertek. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, you're so dumb. It's it's Zertek, clearly. Well, some of them are harder than others. I'll, I'll admit, uh, some of them are are pretty bad. As far there's as... no language where that's chilling. None. <laughs> well, in the Linux world, that's chilling. You got me all worked up. In the Linux world, we are chilling. We're chilling. <laughs> All right, let's move on before I get really mad. Okay, so Kubuntu right. is not going to be outdone. So the reason I bring those up is we're not going to we don't have time to cover all of this, but we are going to yeah. cover Kubuntu as the last one. And they are releasing their beta 2 and it will have Plasma 5.10.5 as the default. And so well 17.10 in general will have mm-hmm. 5.10.5. You also have the KDE applications at 17.04.3, which is good if you have had problems with certain KDE applications like KDE Live that have crashed in, in certain uh, development stages. So that will be 17.04.3. And what do you think about this one? VLC now replaces Dragon Player as the default so media happy. player. So happy about that. I mean, the first thing what I do, do you is have go against, and change that default. What do you have against have Dragons? I don't understand. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you something. I have nothing against dragons. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. <laughs> uh, a fan. I uh, my the hometown my family comes from in Germany uh, has a giant dragon statue at the entrance of it. I love dragons, mm-hmm. but you don't but like the players. But the dragon player. I don't like players. Um, Dragon Player was okay, but VLC just has so much more. Um, maybe it's just familiarity for me, but it just seemed like it supports more. And the first thing I do generally when I get, you know, trying to open a file and it's not compatible is just switch to VLC and it just works. So I guess it's more of a familiarity thing. And having used VLC back even when I was on Windows days, it's really? just something I'm familiar with and love. Only back then? Yeah, and now <laughs> VLC VLC um, is not something that I use as a default player. So that's oh, what what Google product do you use? Um, the the Google <laughs> G player. No, actually, I use SM player as my default player. I think it's the best out there. So SM player, I uh-huh. have to check that out. Yep. So they're going to replace. Well, not going to replace, but they're going to ship the Muon package manager as default as an alternative to Plasma Discover. Probably because Plasma Discover is completely broken. <laughs> no, did I say that out loud? Oh I, man, that's I can just hear. Again. I can just hear Michael Tanell. He's gonna be like, "What? What?" <laughs> I need to talk to both of you right after this show. <laughs> yeah, but it it is not ready for prime time, in my opinion. Plasma Discover is not. So, Lumen uh, Package Manager is now shipped by default. Um, KTorrent has been updated to five point one version. So that's built against the new Qt 5.91 release. This next one is really funny because when we were doing our pre-show, I go, Rocco, I've got this great new music player I've been playing with, Amarok. <laughs> I just love it. It's like visual music coming through and everything. And he's like, uh, read this, Ryan, uh, paragraph here, will you? Wait, we have this document that we share all week long and we put notes in it for the uh-huh. show. Don't you well, read them? Well, let's read it verbatim because it, 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 my interpretation, my reading interpretation here was off. Uh, 
cantata, which sounds like a burrito you would order at a Mexican restaurant. Mm -hmm. A QT5 music player replaces the unmaintained, that's the word I missed, KDE4-based Amarok as our default for this beta. So they've replaced the music player that I just migrated to. Just my luck. Well, Amarok is KDE4-based, but if you're interested in a maybe a alternative to Amarok, you may want to check out Clementine. See, I've used Clementine and I like Amarok better than Clementine. Well, I mean, at I, least, I love at the least Clementine is maintained. It has. And, how dare you, sir? <laughs> for all those out there, I'm going to go take the code for Amarok. I'm going to continue to support it. It will never work again. <laughs> well, I don't know about the decision to change to Cantata, okay? Because uh-huh. they they ask you in the notes, they say, please test this change because Cantata is a music player daemon front end. So you do have to configure it. And I have tried to configure it before, and it's not too difficult. But if you're a new user, uh, yeah. it's not exactly simple. Like it's not open up the player and play some music. So I'm not exactly sure about the, the change for this, but it's, well, we'll wait and see how it plays out. So other applications have been updated as well. You know, Krita, Digicam. Love Krita. Krita is so amazing. Really? Have you played with Krita? No, I have I'm not. I've never actually played with Krita. Honestly, it can make, I mean, my artistic abilities are about as much as my Rocket League ability. So, so you're you a, imagine you're a, I'm a pro. You're a pro. You're a rocketeer. So as a pro, <laughs> I want to use the best. Krita can make a bad artist good. They, their tools are so well laid out, so well organized. You know how frustrating it can be to open a new, um, you know, paint program with all of these different icons laid out everywhere you can't figure out how to do layers you can't figure out how to even lasso something or do simple things but krita is just so inviting the way they've laid the panels out the easy uh methods and, and labeling for all of their tools it's just krita amazes me it is such a great program definitely check it out if you've not played with it well i've not played with it so i will have to check it out but uh, for those of you who want to test 5.11 Plasma, you will be able to do that soon by adding a PPA. So after the after Plasma 5.11 comes out, you'll be able to add a PPA and test out 5.11 on Kubuntu 17.10 beta. Unfortunately, when... <laughs> unfortunately, this is the bad news <laughs> this again. This is the bad news again. Unfortunately, when 17.10 comes out, uh, and you want to upgrade, you're going to have to remove that PPA. Uh, when you want to upgrade from the beta to the final release, you're going to have to remove that PPA so it removes all of the changes that you had with 5.11 because, again, it, the default is going to be 5.10.5 in 17.10. Now, at some point, I would assume that you would be able to add add the PPA back in and re-upgrade to 5.11. I don't know hmm. if that's going to happen or not, but usually that's the way it works. Nice. All right. So in, in other news, we've got Adapta theme is now available for KDE Plasma Desktop. Now, I know this is close to your heart here because we're talking about theme being in there. But I have to say, as you've been converting me over these 
uh, last few months. When I when I pulled up this article and looked at the adaptive theme, I was like, wow, that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And if you add in the Papyrus icon theme set with it, which is what I use as a default in XFCE as well, it's absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Well, Adapta is a beautiful theme that is a GTK-based theme. All right, so you could never get it on Plasma. And that's why it's so exciting because, you know, when you switch around and you're going from a GTK-based uh, desktop environment and then you switch back to KDE, like I would switch... And I would look for my familiar themes that I had used mm -hmm. for a while. Some of them, well, they're just not there because they're GTK based. Well, Adapta now has a Plasma version of the theme, which is absolutely awesome because it's one of the best themes out there. And like you said, with the papyrus icons, looks fabulous, dude. Yep. It just looks very well integrated. The screenshots are gorgeous of it. So... Definitely go check that out. Yep. There's a PPA you can add and uh, install it, and you'll be good to go. Now, this one was exciting for me. Adobe Brackets, which I never knew this was an Adobe product. I can't brackets. believe you use an Adobe product, dude. Well, Adobe is a clear supporter of open source software and open source environment. I mean, just look at all their – oh, wait. Okay, well, yeah. they've got one program at least that's open source, <laughs> and that's Brackets. Um, they've done so well with Flash Player. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things uh, I looked for when I was doing the website, when I was building my own website, was a, and I was learning HTML at the same time, HTML5, was just a, a really familiar, simple, yet had the advanced features of being able to, you know, help fill in some of the code as you're typing it. So you don't have to type every single thing out, had support for CSS and HTML5 built into it with an easy way to organize all of your different folders and everything that goes into web development. And I absolutely fell in love with brackets. There are many options out there. And if you talk to any web developer, which I have some on my team at work that have, they'll tell you all kinds of different options. I think their preference is Atom, which is another popular service out there, but I love brackets. And 1.11 just got released, and here's here's the news item here. Here's the newsworthy item. Basically, the bug fixes and enhancements that are coming with 1.11, that's great. They're adding to it, but you're going to have the exact same version now with brackets that you will have on Mac or Windows. So they're integrating it completely. They're committing to Linux, and now whether you're on Mac, Linux, or Windows, and you download brackets, you're going to have the same version of brackets, and that's cool. Why can't you just be simple and use G-Edit, dude? Oh, my gosh. you got to be <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> I've actually never played with brackets, so I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't do a whole lot of uh, editing, especially on websites or anything like that. So G-Edit works fine for my simple use. Yeah. I, I, like I said, everybody has their own preference, but I think it's cool. I didn't know until this article, actually, that Adobe even made it. They don't label that anywhere within the tool itself, which if you know Adobe Premiere or other items, Adobe's everywhere. So it was kind of odd to find out that it was an Adobe product, but they do good work on that one program. So do you like Opera? Yes, I, I like Opera, but I'll be honest. One of the things that's always bothered me about Opera was there were so many people when I, this was before I switched to Linux, 
And I did a video on Opera's proxy service edition that they did. Mm-hmm. And there were so many people who were coming up with these wild conspiracies about it being owned by China and all of this stuff. And they're, they're putting different things in it, which I found out most of that was all, in fact, all of it that they were saying, claiming was all false. They're, you know, China does invest within opera, but it scared me away while I was researching that. And, but I've always loved opera. It's always been fast and snappy and they are, they're pushing boundaries with things that I think need to be pushed. For instance, that free proxy VPN service. Number one, it brings VPNs into the mainstream. Now they got a lot of flack for that because it's not truly a VPN, Mm -hmm. but I don't see anybody else offering it, right? Um, So, you know, that free proxy was very cool. They're constantly working on speed and process improvements. Most people fell in love with Opera because of its gesturing capabilities back in the day on mobile and also on desktop. So you could set it up so that you know, if you make a G on your screen, which would be great for you, it'd go to all your Google portfolio products. <laughs> okay, so we get <laughs> we got it that, that, that you like opera. I'm, uh-huh. I just did you notice how I just skipped over that? <laughs> um, we got <laughs> that it that you like good. opera. Uh, do you like WhatsApp and Facebook? No, well, I don't like. They're going to be I, married, the, dude. I know that's the, that's the item in the news, right? <laughs> You've got WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger are now going to be built in, which this does not sell Opera to me. In fact, it's kind of a detractor, frankly. Have you ever gotten a phone where Facebook app stays on the phone and you can't get rid of it? I don't even have a Facebook account. I don't either, but they'll generally put the Facebook icon preloaded on your Android device, depending on what carrier you use. I hate that. I want it to go away and you have to root your device sometimes to get rid of that stuff. Hopefully they have an option where you can just turn it off out of your dock. I would imagine they would. But, you know, Facebook owns WhatsApp. Do you use WhatsApp? I only use it because certain people that I know use it. And we've talked about before that I would love for everybody to use like one messaging app. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you have to go where the people you know are at. So if you have a bunch of people that use Telegram, that's great. But these certain group over here don't use telegram they'll use regular messenger or they'll use whatsapp so yeah there are times where i have to use whatsapp it's hard for me to trust i know that facebook just bought them it's hard for me for me to trust something facebook owns which is primarily driven on the idea like google is of metadata grabbing uh, how much information can they get for you but saying hey this is an encrypted messaging service and, you know, in, in researching WhatsApp in the past, there have been flaws detected in their encryption algorithms and issues that have been brought up uh, in various studies done with it. But ultimately, they, they keep to the message that it's an encrypted service. But if you like Opera, if you use Opera, you've got those two options out there. Opera has a lot of new features, over a thousand extensions that they have now. Uh, that they're touting built-in RSS readers. You got got the sync across all devices, which is very important to lots of people. So they've got a lot of neat features in Opera. So if you're an Opera fan, go check it out. Definitely something to check out. And keeping with web browsers, yeah, there was recently news about a Chrome extension. About a what extension? A Chrome. Meum? Not Firefox. A Chrome. Not Opera. Meum. Chrome. <laughs> Extension. Chrome. A, it was just Chrome. An yeah. extension that works with Chrome <laughs> and Chromium. There you go. And Opera, as a matter of fact. Although That's right. You, although <laughs> You'd have to add in that, that feature to use Chrome extensions, right? Yep. 
So the safe browse extension, you need to remove it immediately. It's just what an ironic it name. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what they play on. Okay. But you need to remove it immediately because what they have done is they have embedded a crypto miner into this extension that starts when you start the browser. <laughs> and it can take up to 60% of your CPU while it's doing its work in the background. It's harmless. It's just a little process that's running in the background. It's not really hurting anybody. So nothing just to see here. Just 60% of your CPU. Just keep on moving. Nothing to see here. No, but seriously, though, this is this is very bad, dude. That, And yeah. it's good that it you know people caught it, but it's very bad that they would have uh, – whatever you would call it, to put this kind of thing in there. This is this basically malware. There's a lot of heroes out there that are capable of going through code and finding these things and pointing them out. And they really are heroes. And, and what's funny is you generally, they don't get a lot of publicity. The headline is Chrome extension embeds this and everybody freaks out, but nobody goes back and says, thank you to this guy who spends his time going through or companies that go through and do this as well looking for this type of thing and pointing it out so that people like us benefit from it who don't have the time to go look through the code. The funniest thing about this particular story, though, is that in this code, it was just the most standout wording ever. They didn't even try to hide it. Nope. Um, it what was it called in within the code? I'm looking for it here. Uh, it's cracking me up. Uh, Krypton Knight. Worker blob. That's what you, so like, you don't have to be a coding expert to know something's wrong when you see that there. Um, so, yeah, this is something actually a, a malware that happens on a lot of applications, not just in browsers, but also on your phone. A lot of those free apps that you can download, they have been discovered to have similar things. Now, generally, they're a little more um, discreet and how much CPU they use and that type of thing. They're trying to get as many people as they can and use as little as possible so that you don't notice it within your resources or your memory or anything else. But these guys were like, no, nah, we're just going to take just gonna put it right out your here, CPU man. and take whatever we want. So be very careful with these extensions. A good rule of thumb is if you're not using it regularly, get rid of it. Well, what I don't understand is this is not the first time that this extension was caught doing something. So back in November of 2015, uh, researchers from Defectify Labs, or, I'm sorry, Detectify Labs, mm -hmm. found that SafeBrowse, uh, along with a few other extensions, were loading <laughs> analytics code without the consent in order to track users. And yet this extension still has 140,000 users. Or at least yeah. that's what they that's what they claim they have. So I don't know where the numbers come from, but I don't understand when you find something that is going to do something like that. If they're going to do something shady, why would you continue using it? Yeah, I, I think though the bigger thing, and and this is you're not going to like this, but it's just a fact. I think here is that Google needs to take some responsibility for what they're letting get into their stores, whether it's their phone. Or their web browsers. Here, these guys blatantly put this code into this extension. I mean, it's blatant. Yep. Any AI that Google wrote, they could do this automated. It's not a resource issue. Could pull that out and see that they're trying to pull things, data from the browser outside of its normal usage, or look for specific malicious code. And it just, when I saw this, the first thing that came to my mind is they're just not doing enough to secure their platforms. Google does not have the time. <laughs> to make AI 
to search every extension out there. They're so busy with making AI searching every email and search it you have. They just don't have the time to search all the extensions, okay? So I I can't believe you would fault them for that. Uh, Yeah. All right, so with this, um, this article is from bleepingcomputer.com. And they had reached out to the developer and he didn't answer, but there was an update. And (laughs) this is a quote from the developer. It says, unfortunately, we have no knowledge. Apparently has been a hack. I'm currently researching. I have already contacted the Google team. The extension has not received an update for months, so I don't know what it's all about. So Mm. I don't know exactly what's going on there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be just a really terrible excuse or it could just be that somebody hacked it. I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see. But either way, uninstall this extension and never use it again. I mean, what would you expect him to say? Like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be refreshing, though? That would be awesome if he actually said that. Yeah, pull one over on how many people, huh? <laughs> All right. What else have we got in the news here? Well, 23.2 million. That's the number, dude. That's how much money we've made this week? That's how much... No. Sorry. (laughs) 23.2 million lines of code in Linux kernel 4.14. Isn't that amazing? That That is absolutely awesome, dude. So I went and did some research when I saw this article, and I found an article that said, Linux kernel grows past 15 million lines of code. I was back in 2012. <laughs> now we're up to 23.2 million lines of code that are making all of these beautiful features and just making, you know, you've got Vega improvements, Novio DRM updates, power management improvements, Intel AMD graphic compatibility improvements, performance improvements, all the different devices and media cards and everything else go into all of this beautiful 23 million lines of code. How would you like to look through 23 million lines of code to find a missing comma or something? Oh you know? my gosh. But <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, either way, we, I, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I take, uh, take for granted sometimes when I down, I'm, I'm sure. consider myself a distro hopper. I download uh, ISOs all the time and I put them on and you kind of take it for granted and you don't appreciate what all goes into this, but just mm-hmm. like, we looked at all of the minor changes in the Ubuntu desktop environments. 23.2 million lines of code went into just the kernel itself of every distribution that you download. That That's is absolutely right. awesome and should be recognized. Absolutely. So let's get into gaming, shall we? Let's do it, man. What have you been playing this week? You're going to be surprised by this. Really? I think so, because I I dug deep into the archives of my game folder, my Steam folder here. Deep. I I dug, and I noticed there was this game that some consider to be one of the greatest first-person shooters ever made that I've never played. Wait. And here's the shocking news. What game is this? Half-Life 2. Are you kidding me? I've never played it You have never played? That is one of the best... FPS games or games in general around, dude, ever. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's gone unnoticed and how I missed it all of these years, but I've owned it. I just never played it. Wow. So I've been I've been spent 
the time to install it and start playing it. And I've had a blast. I see why people love it so much. The implementation of vehicles, the storyline, it's just is constant action. You really feel like you're an action superhero in there. So if you're like me, which there's probably not many of you, and it, the system requirements are not steep at all, and you have not played Half-Life 2, go out there and try it. And the fact that I'm playing this definitely means Half-Life 3 confirmed. Is that what it means? <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> well, Half-Life 2 is an awesome game that runs on Linux, by the way. Yes. And it again, like you said, it has everything that you would want in a game. It has the storyline. It has the effects. It has the graphics for the time frame that it came sure. out yep. uh, to be a beautiful game. It has elements of discovery, elements of uh, really hard places to, to beat. It has. It was like an overall all-around game, and yep. one of the best of all time. I love that the puzzles they implemented in the game. They were puzzles, but they weren't like you've got to get a notebook out and go write down the yep. <laughs> the, the glyph that's on the wall and move to. You know, it was just it was simple, effective puzzles that if you use some reasoning in five minutes, you could figure it out. And it wasn't overdone. They did everything they implemented it in it. And I haven't beat it just yet, but everything I've seen so far, it's just really well-rounded game. I see why it's gotten so much love. But even though the Half-Life 3 was a joke, Rocco, there is some news about Half-Life. So new Half-Life gaming potential here. New Half-Life caged from from one of the former Valve workers. So this is based on Half-Life. Okay, Mm -hmm. and it is coming to Linux. Okay, so right now it's currently Windows only. Did I say that out loud? Yes. Windows only. (laughs) Okay, but it is coming to Linux and it has a um, uh, an old type. If you have ever played Half-Life before, that's basically what you're going to be playing with a little bit of updated graphics. And I was laughing because in Half-Life 2, you run around with a uh, uh, crowbar and in this one, this thing, you run around with a with a plunger, <laughs> <laughs> like Mario Brothers. I love it. So the developer said he, he will try to add Linux and Mac support as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, well, you said the graphics are updated, and I, I think they look beautiful. I mean, it's still dated. So it's you're still right dated. That. That's what I mean. It's but, not. But it's the, it's very. It's a lot more polished. You don't have that jaggedness. Everything's smoothed out. Your shadowing's there. Yep. Uh, so it doesn't feel dated uh, as dated as playing Half-Life 2, for instance. So very cool stuff. And yes, we don't have Half-Life 3 and probably never will. But the mod community has come to the rescue and offering us some new content to play. I think the most important thing about this is that they want to see how much people are gauging how much support for Linux is out there. OK, so mm-hmm. right, like I said, right now, this is Windows only. But the developer said, we will try to add Linux and Mac support as quickly as possible. It most likely will not be available at launch, but it's set up as gold support, as gold source supports those platforms. So if you're interested in something like this, I'm going to leave a link in the notes to go over to the Steam community post and post in there to say you would be willing to help out beta test this on Linux. Right. And that will even do a just lot. a nice comment like I would love to play this yep. or thank you for bringing working on bringing this to Mac to Linux. That type of stuff 
really makes a difference. You know, my brother develops games and those moments where you get that person that comes in there and sees your vision and tells you, thank you, or I love it, or it, it makes such a big difference. Even on my YouTube videos, <laughs> I know like getting that person to say nice things, you know, like, wow, I really love this. I really learned something from this. That makes all the difference in the world to you. It seems simple to them. It could mean the difference between whether we get the port or not, uh, or whether they, you know, want to spend their time with that community. If they feel like the community's viral or maybe somebody's told them, Oh, you don't want to mess with those Linux people. You want to change that perception by being one of those people that, you know, give them that support. Yep. Talking about support, uh, SC controller has a pre-release to support more game pads. This is something we've talked about in the past. Now, both of us have moved since to the steam controller, which I love, <laughs> uh, but if you're one of those that likes to use other type of controllers, like the Sony dual shock or the Logitech F three tens, uh, unbranded USB SNES alike controllers, you can download this and you will have the ability to go in there and map your controller and have support for it within Linux which is super important for Linux gaming. Some people have preferences. They've got to have an Xbox controller. They got to have a PlayStation controller or they play a certain game that requires a certain controller. Having the support, huge deal. Yeah, because this is not something that, I mean, it's it seems small again. All of this stuff seems small, but if you have an old controller lying around and you want to be able to use it to play, there's really not a whole lot of options right now. So you right. need things like this to be able to support so you can, you know, map buttons and all this stuff. So it's it actually is a good thing. Rocco, would you ever buy a game console, a PlayStation, an Xbox? It depends. Do you own one now? I don't. Okay. Have you ever owned one? Sure. Okay. What Play was your favorite? PlayStation 4. No, <laughs> no. Hey, at uh, least it wasn't Microsoft. No, I, I don't have a PlayStation Four. <laughs> yeah. um, I had a PlayStation Two at one time. I started yeah. out. I started out gaming on console. I mean, I was had a Nintendo yeah. sixty four. A lot of people did. Uh, double. I actually took a picture. Uh, I was at a local uh, reuse it store over the weekend, and there was a. 007 Goldeneye game cartridge. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that game! I took a picture of it and sent it oh. to the Telegram group. It was awesome. But that's what I... St Goldeneye was awesome, dude. It was like... Oh, mining of, people and just the amount of ways you could just oh my completely gosh. take out your opponents. It was awesome. On a split four or five people on the screen. I yep. mean, now we could probably couldn't even do that. At least I couldn't. My eyes would be like, I don't even know where to look. But back in the day, somehow on a tiny, you know, 19 inch TV, we would have, you know, four or five players on the screen. Well, what, each sometime other I forget where it was. Or, so somebody had made a mod of something uh, for 007 Goldeneye. It was almost like they recreated it. And it was so pixelated that yeah. it was so almost unplayable, dude. Compared yeah. to what you have today. Right. Back then, it didn't matter. Back then, it was awesome, regardless of what it was. So Now, in the time, did you ever own an Atari? I didn't own an Atari, but I enjoyed going to my cousin's house and playing his Atari. Yeah, the Atari <laughs> 2600 was one of the first gaming systems I ever played with. And Atari is launching a new game console, believe it or not. A new and yeah, and you might be going, why is DOS Geek again going through Atari news or console news has nothing to do with Linux? Well, let me tell you, it's got everything to do with Linux because this console is going to run on Linux. 
the you console it? itself is going to run on Linux. And not only that, you can get a full PC experience, they're saying, off of it. Based on the hardware they're using, an AMD processor, Radeon graphics card here, that the Linux that they're using likely is going to allow you to have the full PC experience so you could boot into the desktop when you're done playing and start using your system as normal from your TV. I mean, that would be awesome to be able to do that. You know, you think about some of the apps and things that you could run directly from your TV. It could become your complete media box. Yep. Now, on top of that, without Atari even having to program all of that in, you could go You could go get download the Twitch app and all of that stuff that's available. But can and you now distro you hop a media on streamer. it? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question. Can you distro hop? So, if you could, I would probably end up screwing it up and uh, it wouldn't work, but... Um, yeah, I think this is pretty exciting to see Atari back in business in a way with the hardware market. Well, it says it's going to come preloaded with classic Atari games, mm-hmm. but it's you're also going to be able. This is all speculation, I guess, sure. because we did nothing yeah. concrete. But they're also going to give you access to games purchased from other content platforms like Steam. So yep. that would be a complete gaming console. I gotta say. Yep. And so I, I love the what, what they're doing here. They're kind of mixing both worlds. And for the price point, you can tell this is going to be more than just playing classic Atari games because their price point, they're saying, is between 248 and 299 So nobody's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go play Centipede for 248 bucks. <laughs> but, you know, I, so obviously they're planning on doing some things. But instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, they're utilizing current platforms out there and leveraging it within their hardware which I think is a very smart move. So I'm excited about it. I hope it comes to fruition. I'm excited to see Atari come back into the game. Yep. And I'm glad they're using Linux to do it. All right. So you like first-person shooters, don't you? Come on. I know you're an RPG guy. I don't love, you love first-person shooters. Love them. Love some first-person shooters. Okay. So a World War One first-person shooter is coming out, and it's not Battlefield because it runs on Linux. all right so tannenberg is going to see day one linux support and tannenberg is a it's a standalone expansion Mm -hmm. um to verdun so verdun is is its own game tannenberg is like a, a next installment of it so you will have to purchase tannenberg even if you have purchased verdun but you don't need verdun in order to play tannenberg and it's set between 1914 and 1918, World War One Eastern Front. And it takes place on the Russian Empire border. So what do you think? Well, there wasn't a lot of video outside of kind of the cinematic views of the game. And so I couldn't really see uh, in some of the ones I was looking at when I was researching any in-game performance. But the graphics, from what I could see, what I could find, screenshots and things, looked solid. Um, they don't look as beautiful as some of the modern day shooters out there, but certainly if you've got an itch to have a first person shooter and one of the world war scenarios, this one runs on Linux. You're not going to have to turn your back on Linux and play modern Call of Duty. What? World War II. Um <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Just because the beta is out right at this moment. No tucks, no bucks, and you don't pay for the beta. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I happen to have a a blackmail screenshot. I have a a blackmailed screenshot of one DOS geek playing a a new (laughs) Windows-only Call of 
duty World War Two. This was simply an investigative uh, journey. I was doing right? to find out what. What are you going to? What are you going to simply Rocco investigate next? Linux. Chrome? Are you going to install Chrome next to investigate <laughs> How it? How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? All right, um, moving on. Moving okay. on. Um, Let's talk about something we can both agree on. What's that? We are awesome at Rocket League, and Rocket League's autumn update is live right now. Right now, it is live. I have played it, and the uh, new map farm. Oh, is it farm? Not Farmstead. I think it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Has different sounds, you know, for the horns and stuff. It actually sounds like a uh, a tractor pull. <laughs> if you've ever been to one of those, that's what it sounds like. Um, but I've played the uh, maps that they have adjusted uh, to fit the format. And they have banners now, so that's it's kind of like sort of lame, but sort of cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a ni- yeah. it's a it's a nice addition, but it really doesn't do anything for you. How are the new arenas? Well, the arena uh, I played uh, the one that was a uh, octagon shape, and that actually plays pretty well. But like I said before, I was kind of I kind of enjoyed having the difference in the arenas. I know that for like. Uh, pro players, you know, like ourselves, um, <laughs> that you want all of the arenas to be the same yeah. so that you can practice and do all Learn your every aerial. square inch, right. pixel. But I really did enjoy the the differences in them to other maps because, you know, like I said, the one was dip in the middle and the sides went up. That actually brought a little bit of um, color to the game to where yeah. it wasn't the same constantly all the time. So... I wish they would have left them in there and just left them out of the competitive play where they would have, you know, made the new maps and put them into the competitive play part of it, but then left the old versions or both versions in the casual play. That would have been the best scenario, but. Well, I think it's important to change things up. I mean, people get so used to playing the same maps, even in a competitive environment over and over again, that they they learn every little trick and nuance. And now they have to relearn that stuff. So welcome to Rock and I's world. Um, (laughs) You know, so I think it could be a good thing, but I have in my hands for our last piece of news here, Rocco, the most coveted item probably out today. And we're going to go back to consoles again, but this, of course, oh, is geez, I thought you had a, an actual copy of uh, Google on your computer. <laughs> the most coveted thing in the world. Look at this, man. A Super Nintendo Classic Edition. Look at that. That is awesome, dude. So, so my wife sat in line at Walmart from 6 p.m. till midnight to grab me this. And, of course, I didn't play it till the morning because I was way too tired. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. you. How lame I am. Yeah. Thank you to your wife. <laughs> I'll just go to sleep now. I know you stood in line all that time, but all for me. <laughs> well, that and she wanted to get away from the kids. Um, but this is the reason why we bring this up in this news article is obviously this is super popular. The original um mini that they released like this before, which was also very hard to get a hold of and coveted, uh, we know was confirmed to run on Linux. And they believe this one is as well because it's the same team, Nintendo Paris-based European Research and Development Group, uh, that's running it. And this has basically an ARM Cortex-A7, so more of a mobile chip in there, 256 megabytes of DDR3, 512 megabytes of NAND storage, 
22 games. And the special thing about this is Star Fox 2, which was never released, can be unlocked on this little box. So it's cool seeing Nintendo base their systems on Linux. So if you're thinking, I don't want to use consoles, I want to only use Linux, you can use this and still be proud, unlike Rocco booting into Windows playing. Call of Duty. Wow, that's so uncalled for, dude. <laughs> Such hostility. I don't understand. I did nothing to this guy, and he just keeps <sighs> on and on and on. <laughs> well, look at this beautiful shirt, Rocco. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? The Destination Linux apparel page. <gasps> look at that. That looks Gorgeous. awesome, dude. Man. I mean, I make it look better. It won't look this good on anybody else. Well, but... Yeah, about- <laughs> that goes without being said, right? <laughs> yeah, like a rocket league play. <laughs> you can go to destination, I'm sorry, teespring.com forward slash destination Linux podcast and get a shirt just like Ryan has. That's right. Or a coffee mug like I have. Or I have. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, the Telegram group guys have been very active lately oh my gosh i go back yeah. i go to it and i'll come back to it there's like 400 and some messages I'm like, <laughs> no just no scrolling down to the end there's just no way i'm doing it but they have been very active and great bunch of guys in there girls and um i suggest you join them and definitely you, you can do that at www.destinationlinux.org forward slash telegram and they cover a wide variety of topics, and there's a wide variety of user knowledge in there. So you have your experts in there. You have some beginners, some people who hop distros, some people who are pro one thing and don't ever mention another. But they're still nice to talk to, and they're not, you know, everybody seems to get along very well within the Telegram group, even though you kind of have that vast uh, grouping of different individuals. Every once in a while, things will get a little snippy, yeah. but that's to be expected, but... Overall, it's a really fun group to be a part of. So even if you're new to Linux, is you know not something you want to talk in right away. Go in there and just kind of ghost it, watch and listen to what everybody's talking about. Because generally, they're very current on new things going on as well. All right. So where are we going to find you this week, Ryan? Are we going to we are going to play Rocket League are we? Autumn Edition. We've got <laughs> to, man. I've not even booted into it. I've been too busy playing that beta. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Did you say that out loud? Oh. Cut that out of the video. He's been too busy playing the (laughs) Call of Duty World War II PC beta that's only available (laughs) on Windows. Well, the good news for most people is it's not as exciting, that beta, which I pay nothing for, as we all had hoped for, at least right now. What did you think? Well, I was hoping you would get into this because when something comes out like this, it's, it's got this effect. Like, you expect it to be up here like really awesome sure okay because this is a major title and it is a good game as far Mm -hmm. as i mean i played a couple hours yesterday it is a good game and there's a lot of good features in it it's not to the to the level of overwhelming that i was hoping for right Uh, it's not that game that drives you back to playing it over and over again but there's so many good features on it it's kind of like they melted down uh TF2 and Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty, and you had mentioned uh, Overwatch. Overwatch, yeah. Uh, and and that's basically what the game is. And it's really fun to play. Uh, I had a blast playing it, mm-hmm. but it's just not, you know, that... I think we set the bar too high sometimes. You know what I mean? Maybe. 
I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, a lot of these games that we think about with AAA titles and in a lot of cases, frankly, we miss out on, on the Linux side and you think, oh, well, I'll boot into Windows to go play this because I'm really missing out on it. And then you get into it and you start playing it. And it's kind of like that. You don't get that feeling that you really want to come back. Like while I played it and I had fun and there's nothing wrong with the game, I don't really want to boot back into Windows to play it again because it wasn't that fun. And it just seems like I've seen this model over and over again. They took Overwatch, very small arenas. You can't even customize your character at all. Everybody looks exactly the same. I mean, as far as your face and things goes, you can obviously have like different outfits on. I think there's four different classes or something that you can play with. Maybe a couple more you can unlock. But small battle arenas, fast-paced battles that are over in like five minutes and lots of deaths that occur everywhere people spawning behind you to the side of you it's chaos very much like overwatch if you took overwatch and just overlaid world war ii theme stuff on it you've got the game although i think overwatch is probably a little more in depth uh to the characters and things that they have but very similar to that and i feel like that's happening a lot with these titles when they're you know releasing new versions of it is it's just they're just taking the same thing dumping a new overlay on it and going here's your new game it's good like you said, there was nothing wrong with the older Call of Duties. They were all great as well. But is it anything groundbreaking that you would want to go buy or spend $59 on it? I don't know about you, but even if it was out for Linux, I wouldn't pay $59 for it. Wow, that's saying something, especially yeah. for a game of that caliber that's coming out. Yeah. I probably would pay for it. But like I said, it's not something that's overwhelming. So. Interesting. Well, well, there you go. We can talk more about it on Friday Night Live. There you go. So by the time this video uh, comes out, Friday Night Live will have be re- will have been recorded and be up on the website. So if you want to check that out, check out the check out my channel on YouTube. And that's all we got, man. You got anything else that's for this it. week? No, nope. definitely go check out my channel on YouTube. Das Geek channel out there for some new content and maybe some xfce customization stuff oh my gosh here we go we better end (laughs) it on there (laughs) you better tune in how dare you (laughs) all right so we thank everybody for supporting us and watching listening thank you to the patreons yep have a great week and remember the journey itself is just as important as the destination Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Look, man, you keep (laughs) picking on me for my pixels. There's a problem with that. (laughs) Gloves are off now, brother. That's right. Drawing a line in the sand. A perfectly pixelated line.